Hello, this is Gideon Rothstein, and this is Perak Tet of Sefer Mishlei, Chapter 9 of the Book of Mishlei, a chapter that contrasts, really spends most of its time speaking about the call of wisdom, and how wisdom calls out to those who don't yet, yet, don't yet know it, and then at the end has a little bit about the uh, contrasting call of vanity, silliness, stupidity, wrong, whatever we would call those. And today we'll be looking at it with the view of Briefly, Rashi, and a little bit more of the Malbim, and they will elaborate for us. So, Pasuk Aleph starts with Chachmot Banta Beita, Chatzva Amudeh Hashiva, which the English has as Wisdom has built her house, Chachmot Banta Beita, and, and set seven pillars. Rashi says on Chachmot Banta Beita that Hashem created the world Bichachma. So, it's not Chachmot that Wisdom built in, it's that Hashem built it with Wisdom, and then Chatzva Amudeh Hashiva, the seven pillars, what are the seven pillars? Rashi says, for in his first understanding, Shivat Yemei Breshit, the seven days of creation, and understanding that the um, Malbim echoes in that the Malbim says, even on the seventh day, first he says, the Pasuk, this is a very, um, very typical of the Malbim, that the Pasuk, he says, starts, the two halves are parallel to each other, mean different, slightly different things. So the first half is Chochmot Pantabita, that the binyan ulam is like a bayit is in that you start with the foundation and that's chokhmot pantebeta. In general, the house as a whole was created and brought minha ayin al from nothingness into something. This is the belief in creation, what's called in Latin ex nihilo, out of nothing, and that's chokhmot pantebeta. That's the first flash of creation. And then created it that it all came out day by day. And then there's a Rashi in Breshit that says a similar idea that Hashem had said the whole world right at the beginning, and then each day a piece of it came out into reality. But that leaves, if you can have seven, that means you have to have something on Shabbos. And the Malbim says that we have on Shabbos, Hanaga Hapla'iyit, the miraculous uh, the running of the world when it's needed that can completely destroy and get rid of nature. So when it says that Hashem was Shovet on the seventh day of creation, the Malbim understands that that idea of Shvita is the idea of resi- uh, resting or desisting from creating in those ways that will then maintain themselves, those ways that are natural. And then after that, on the seventh day, when Hashem is Shavan Vayinafash, it means that Hashem will no longer be actively setting up the world to run on its own. It's a, it, Malm doesn't um, elaborate on it, but it's an idea that you could take very far and suggest that the whole creation that we see is not the creation of Hashem being creative, it's the creativity of Hashem setting up something that will run on its own by and large. And then on the seventh day, when Hashem is Shovet, that's where Hashem leaves room for Hashem to act and function in the world in a more, quote-unquote, for Hashem anyway, more natural way, and that would be the Shvita. The Shvita is that Hashem no longer has to operate through the laws of nature, but that Hashem can sometimes get rid of the laws of nature and operate on his own. So that's a very stimulating idea. In any case, Rashi says, Davar Acher, on this first pasuk for the seven pillars, so one seven pillars is the seven days of creation, as we just mentioned. The other is there's a Gemara in Shabbat that says, suggests that there are actually seven books of the Torah. We speak of five, but that's because we ignore the fact that there are that the upside down nuns. People know about the upside down nuns. There are two psukim in in Bamidbar. I think Parshat Baalotcha, Vayibin to Aron, and Uvnuchol Yomar, which are surrounded by upside down nuns. The Gemara there assumes, says, that those, that part of the Torah is a separate book, and we're based on this Pasuk, 
and says there are seven books of the Torah. Actually, there's Bamidbar up until those Psukim, those Psukim, and Bamidbar after those Psukim. Now that has halakhic ramifications because those Psukim have 85 letters in them, and 85 letters is assumed to be the minimum size of a Sefer Torah for various halachos about burial, about use, about various kinds of things like that that are not our topic. But Rashi is referring to that tradition, which would then mean that when Hashem created the world, it means again with Torah. And that whole idea that Torah is really connected to the fabric of the way the world works is uh, an important vital one. It would, it, it strongly means, and it's not an uncommon idea in Jewish thought, it's there in Gemara, it's in Rashi, it's in Mabin. It strongly means that Torah is not just a set of laws that a really smart guy, or even that Hashem came up with, and the Torah is what the term would be conventional. It's just a way to run society. But there's nothing more particularly valuable about it, except perhaps that the Hashem has greater wisdom than others, and therefore it's more valuable. But if you take this puzzle seriously, and the way the Gemara says seriously, then what you mean is that would be similar to that he looked in the Torah and created the world. It would mean that there is something more and more fundamental than that about the way the Torah expresses itself and the laws and the ideas the Torah expresses would be much more connected to the essence of the world rather than just a way to make sure that people turn out to be good people. So that's a huge topic of its own, a range of opinions, but that it stems from this Pasuk. Now we seem to be talking about wisdom. She's preparing a feast. She's mixed the wines at the table. So Rashi says, Maschayina uh, means to, to mix the wine because in their days, Wine was very strong, so he used to mix it with water. He diluted just to be able to drink it and enjoy it. And um at the table, so Rashi says, Just setting up the world. So he's still seeing it in those terms. But the Malbim says that the meal that she creates is words of understanding and wisdom and all of the kinds of knowledge. Archashulchan has all the kinds of knowledge in the world. Uh, just not that necessarily people listening are either of or for this, but the problem is assuming that all the knowledge of the world, in some ways, is valuable and useful, and that's part of the Chokhmah that Mishle is referring to. Chokhmah the Torah may be primary in many ways, but I think Rilakhsi would say axiologically in this context, but I've never really known what that word means, but it seems to fit. The Torah might be axiologically and theologically and theoretically and conceptually primary, but the Malbim is assuming that Afar Chashel Chana means also at the table of wisdom, if you want to really be wise, or all the other kinds of knowledge there are. And then she sends out her girls or maids to call out people on the heights of the town. On Shalchana Aroteha, Rashi has this cryptic comment. He just says the names. He says, Adam v'chava, and then Davarachher Moshe v'aron. Another possibility is Moshe v'aron. So, Moshe and Aaron, just by the way, Rashi, in his commentary on Shir Hashirim, where, where the Shir Hashirim has all this very graphic poetry, um, Rashi interprets it. Rashi says right up front, he's not going to interpret it in any literal kind of way. He interprets it about the giving of Torah and the relationship between Hashem and the Jewish people, as Chazal said Shir Hashirim was supposed to mean. And so where it speaks about, to, about Shnei Shaddaiach, about the, about the, in the imagery of the poem, the woman's breasts, Rashi says Moshe and Aaron, presumably because what he means is that they suckled the Jewish people by giving them the Torah and teaching them the Torah, because that's what we understand, that the Moshe came down from Hesinai, taught it first to Aaron, and then Aaron taught it to his sons, and his sons to the Jewish people, and that's how Torah went out. So that Davar Achir in Rashi, it's fairly understandable. We're talking about Chochmah, and Shalchan Arotah, Chochmah sends out her messengers to start spreading it, and Moshe and Aaron. 
But the first version he uses is Adam Chava, and that would just mean that the human endeavor is spreading wisdom or receiving wisdom or knowing God's wisdom in the world and experiencing it. And that, again, would be a very broad-minded view of the role of humanity. It would mean the role of all of humanity is to understand Hashem's knowledge and wisdom and Torah, knowledge and wisdom as revealed in this world. In terms of why you have to have Shalchan or Oteha, the Malbim says that wisdom, you can't get on your own. You have to get it from Chachamim and Nevi'im, from wise people and prophets. And they're the Naruf, they're the ones who spread the Torah. And then you can be called to the Suda, to the, this meal that wisdom is setting, this table that wisdom is setting. That's a, an idea that Malbim takes up in a couple of places, says a couple of times, but the idea being that it's not true that wisdom is intuitive. That's a anti-American concept. I think that much of uh, America, much of American entertainment has this assumption that anybody can achieve wisdom just by sort of thinking about stuff or looking into it a little bit. And Malbim is saying that true wisdom has to have some component of uh, reception, of being received from those who are already wise. And she's calling out, who's a petty? Let him come here. Um, and Peti is, the JPS has it as the simple, and the Chasarlev is somebody devoid of sense. But the Malbim understands a Peti is somebody who doesn't have any knowledge. He's never learned how, what it means to be wise. The Malbim refers repeatedly in this prayer to Chukeha not the facts of knowledge, but the ways to think about things. And well, that'll come up again because the Malbim is going to claim that those ways of thinking about things don't have proofs to them. They are like axioms. And axioms are the kinds of things that you accept or don't accept, but there's no logic to them. And that when it comes to Chochmah, they're going to be axioms that are going to be necessary. So uh, the Peti is the person who doesn't have those, so let them just come here and they get them. And a Chasar Leiv is somebody who knows Kukeh Chochmah. He knows the right way to get wisdom. He knows what he's supposed to do. Rak Shechaser Lo Koach Yitro. He doesn't have the power to conquer his desires, and your desires often go against wisdom because desires want to just relax or have fun or hang out or watch TV or wait, you know, have fun with friends. And that might not be one of the chukkei chokhmah, which might require discipline and study and those kinds of things. So there's two kinds of people who wisdom is going to call out to. So she says, eat my bread, drink my wine. Uh, so following the metaphor, the Malbim says, eat my bread is learn the ways of wisdom. That would be for the petty who didn't know chukkei chokhmah. And then drink my wine is lahavin omek Go further into it, drink the wine, and get more enveloped in wisdom, and that will give you greater understanding. And then, presuming the Malbim is saying that with the greater understanding, you'll develop a greater ability to overcome your desires that go against wisdom and to follow the paths of wisdom, and that will be an important and valuable thing. You know, as I'm recording this, I just recently saw a study that had come out, I think I saw it in the Times, that came out and said that religious people, in fact, have greater self-discipline than non-religious people, and so they were all trying to think about it, and obviously they weren't willing to accept the idea that the wisdom, the, the discipline of following laws that other people set for you is the discipline involved. Trying to find other ways to do it, but that's a whole different discussion. But that would be some of what the Malbim is saying here, that a chasar leif, somebody who has a trouble overcoming himself to follow the paths of wisdom, so they're saying, invalue yourself in more wisdom. Get into the wine part of the wisdom and drunk, get drunk, as it were, on wisdom. It doesn't quite say that in the puzzle, but that seems to be what he's saying. Get into the greater insight of wisdom. Pasuk Vav, Izvu p'taim v'chiyu v'ishru b'derech bina. So if you have the bread of wisdom and the wine, you'll, if you go into this, you'll get uh, the greater happiness, you'll get to understand the soul happiness, the deep satisfaction 
of wisdom and following the paths of wisdom, and then you'll leave, Ptaim will leave their path and they'll live, and they'll go in the Derech Bina, which the Mahomet said was the wine of, of wisdom, of knowledge, and that will provide a countervailing satisfaction that will help them free themselves of their ordinary lusts, appetites, pleasures. Pasuk Zayin Yoser Leitz Lokech Lokalon Umokech Lerasham Umo The Malbim points out that so far we've spoken about calling out to a petty and a chasar leiv. And the Malbim says that's right because the Chochmah doesn't even bother to call out to a Leitz or to a Rasha because they're not going to listen. Because, and that's our Pasuk, Yoser Leitz Lokech Lokalon If you try to discipline or admonish or remonstrate with the Leitz you're going to get, the person doing that is going to get the cologne, he's going to get the embarrassment. And the reason is that Musar, trying to discipline somebody, starts with Yerata Onish, with fear of punishment. And we're saying there is a punishment out there for living on a dissolute life. And admonishing people, remonstrating with people, is trying to do it by by arguing with them. And elates the, um, Malbim says, doesn't laugh, doesn't mock at the intellectual things, but he, lag, he mocks the whole structure of of wisdom and all the ways that you think about it. So you'll have an argument with them. They'll say, I don't even think about it. We're, we're, we're completely at loggerheads. And yet you can have a discussion like that in which you'll say, this is obvious and clear and true as the way to think about the world. And they'll say, I don't accept it. I don't think it's true. I don't buy it. So the late will reject all of that. And and the Malbim says, and the way that you get to the right things is by having this fear of God. And the late won't accept it. And that's what Yotzer Leitz. If you don't have a way to prove or show uh, him in some intellectually ironclad way that this is the truth of the world, and you generally don't when it comes to f- faith in God, so he's going to mock you, he's going to denigrate it, he's going to look down on it, and therefore there's no value in it. So that's a, the key, crucial question, issue. I think there are many people today who will just say, well, if you find the right approach, you'll find, you'll be able to reach, you'll have that, that. The Malbim is assuming that it's not true. The Malbim is assuming that there are people out there who are simply not ready yet to accept the truth and the, even even the modes of thinking by which you get the truth. They're not willing to do it, and therefore there's no value in having a conversation. I once years ago got myself in trouble. I once angered somebody greatly by saying, he said something radical, and I said, well, then we can't have a conversation. And what I meant was we have no common ground on which to even... Build, and that is what the Malbim is saying about this puzzle as well. Yosir leitz lokech lo kalon, mochiach la rasha mumo. And if you try to remonstrate with a rasha, who knows what he's doing wrong and doesn't care, he's not going to listen, even if you prove it to him intellectually, because that's not what he's interested in. So you have these two kinds of people. You have a leitz who simply doesn't accept the ways of thinking about the world that you do, and if you could prove it to them, they might change. You know, if you could prove to me there's a God who gave the Torah and a demand and with a Torah about that, and these are the laws you have to follow, maybe I would follow them. But do you prove it in the ways that I accept as proof? Right, that's the the kicker in the ways that I accept as proof. Until you prove it that way, so that's a leitz. But a rasha is somebody who doesn't care about any of that stuff. Prove it, not prove it, it doesn't matter. That's going to be. Mum uh, for you, Rashi says, because the Rasha will be angry with you, be upset with you, won't listen to you, and therefore, Rashi says, it's a warning, that when it comes to when it comes to people who lure others away, who try to promote a value system that's anti-Torah, you're not supposed to try to deal with them, even to try to bring them closer. So, who that is today, how to apply that today, would be a whole set of questions, but the common denominator between Rashi and the Malbim here is 
But they're saying there are people out there who are, at least at the current moment in their lives, immune to remonstration and that there's no value in it. Mishlei is telling us not to, really not to bother. Not just not to bother, but that there's something wrong, you're going to backfire on you, and you're going to end up suffering for it. Don't admonish, don't remonstrate with the lates, because he'll hate you. Rather, remonstrate with uh, a wise person, and he'll love you for it. So, um, so the Bhavan points out, why does the Al-Tohach he says, even when it comes to intellectual proofs, even for the late, we said, when you can prove something intellectually to the late, he'll accept it. It's still true that it's not really valuable for you, the Bhavan says, because he won't like you. And he has a positive impact that Vav Mishle says the thing that don't, that a late never likes the people who come to admonish them. And, uh, and that's why the late will avoid the company of Chachamim. Because sometimes they will, at least sometimes, they will find a way to prove to them the wrongness, uh, fullness of his actions, but he doesn't want to hear it really. Even if he's got to prove it to him, and even if he feels bad, even if maybe it'll change, he won't be happy. So since that's true, the Pasuk is saying, don't bother. So here it's don't bother not because it won't be effective, but don't bother because it won't, it won't help you, it won't redound to your credit, and therefore you shouldn't do it. You could have imagined somebody saying, I'll do it anyway, let him not like you, but at least he'll be on the, a closer to the right path. So, if it's a person who's just resistant, will eventually love you for it. Maybe that's true. Will eventually like it. But the Malbim is saying the place to look at is for the Chacham. And the definition of a Chacham here is a person who's looking to better themselves. And then if you can prove to them that their way is not the way they should be handling it, they should be moving forward, they will, they will in fact be happy and love you for it because they will recognize the value of the self-improvement that you are offering them. And this is even though these are real Chachamim. These are people who have already learned the ways of wisdom and they might have been able to say, well, I know what I'm supposed to do. So the answer is, part of being a Chacham is to recognize that you have never learned everything, which is what the next Pasuk says. Give a Chacham, and he'll get even wiser, and to a Tzadik, and he'll add to his already amassed knowledge and understanding of the world. Right? says a Chacham is a Talmid Hagun, a proper Talmid, and... Um, and, and, and he gives an example. There's a Midrash Agadah. Rashi gives a Midrash Agadah of Noach, who figures out that Hashem likes Korbanot from the kosher animals, and he gets it because Hashem says, take seven of those, and only two of the others, Hashem figure, Noach figures, that's what Hashem wants for a Korban, he gives a Korban from that. That's the example. Where the, one of the highest forms of a student is that you give them a little something, and they can do much of the rest creatively on their own. Another example, and there are many, many, many of these. Another example where the expectation and hope Within Judaism, the definition of wisdom really is not the ability to receive and to absorb and to accept. It's the ability to take that and then to creatively shape it into new and to move on and to grow from there. Um, the Bible of Yechkam Ode says, because wisdom is very broad and there is no end to it. So even the smart person, even the wise person can always, can always grow and is always looking to grow. And then he says, the difference between the tzaddik and the chacham is that a chacham Got all the chukhe He knows the ways to thinking. Whereas the tzaddik just does good stuff, but even doesn't know why and how. He just has done it, so he always does these kinds of things. And for him, you need to try to also help him get Yosef Lekach. You need to help him get the forms of wisdom as well. He's already doing good things, already acting properly and well, but you want to deepen his insight and his understanding. And this, an example of this might be, and I've had this kind of a conversation with people sometimes, is if you have somebody doing the good things, and you want to step in and try to help them be more sophisticated about how they do it. People say, why are you bothering to get involved with them? They're already good. Leave them alone. 
So this Pasuk is saying, no, it's not true. According to the Balaam's reading of it, it's not true. Until they understand it deeply can be also a chacham, there's, a, there's a, something lacking, even though they're doing the right thing. It's not a denigration of what they're doing, it's a recognition of further horizons that they could use to grow. Pasuk the beginning of chokhmah is that fear of God, and da'at kiddushim, which the JPS translates as knowledge of the Holy One. But the Malbim, I think, is going to say Da'at Kiddushim is knowing Holy Ones. Right, the Malbim says, The beginning of wisdom is that you accept it from the wise people of the generation and the Nevi'im who are speaking B'Shem Hashem. And then by fearing, and by fearing Hashem and knowing these Kiddushim, that's when you can... That's when you can get to it. Um, yeah. And Rashi says, Da'akidoshim is ikar habina, is the essence of bina, is knowing these holy, it's not clear if he means Hashem, and that's the essence of bina, or it means, as the Bible would have it, these holy people, but that will be the key steps to achieving and to developing true bina. Pasagir alef, kivir buyamech, yosivu chashnot chayim, because knowledge of all these things, will give you years of life. You'll have longer days, it seems, and will add to you years to your life. So add to you years of life, you could have theoretically said, I believe we saw Rabag earlier in Mishnah, which did say, that it will make your life longer. Rashi, however, says, Shanim shel chayim, heim shel panasav osher. Then you'll have longer life, and you'll have a better quality of life. That the years you live will be better years. An example, uh, where th- an example supporting Rashi would be the idea that Yaakov Avinu says to Haparo, that he's 130 years old when he meets him, and he says, uh, My years have been few and bad. So there have been 130 of them. The answer is that the years that you live, they're good years, are feel longer, feel more fulfilling, more satisfying. They are better years. That's why Rashi understands it. Um, and that is, and that's what's being promised here, that if you learn the Chochmah right, you will get those kinds of years, your years will be more fulfilled and better and have, have more economic, uh, safety and security in them. And then we're moving, we're now beginning to move into the discussion of the other side, of latzon, of, of scoffing and of not doing the right thing. So if you're wise, you're wise for yourself. But if you're a scoffer, you bear it alone. Um, and so the Malbim says what that means is that if you're Chacham, you've gotten something from it. You'll get good by virtue of the wisdom. But in Latzda, have you mocked the, the words of wisdom? And then you're going to bear the punishment for that alone. And therefore it's a warning that at the very least, you should stay with the Chukei Chochma, with the world of Chochma and of wisdom at the very least, to avoid the punishment. That's the very lowest level of it, but at least that should work. So now Gimel, the rest of the prayer is going to switch into an Eshe Kisilut, Right, the woman of, uh, the JPS is a stupid woman, but we've seen a Kassil as being people who either don't know or who follow their inclinations. So an ancient Kassil would be that same kind of idea, a woman or a figure, an attractive figure who follows their desires or who doesn't follow the ways of wisdom. Will be speaking, uh, she is simple and knows not, I'm sorry, Eshet Kisilut Homiya 
and she's running around and she is saying uh, simple and stupid things and she doesn't understand what she's doing. Um, so the Malbim says, also people of Ksilut are running and trying, before we saw Chokhmah calling people to her, don't think it's only Chokhmah that calls out, there are also people calling out and trying to bring you to Ksilut. So the Malbim says the difference between Ksilut and Petayut is, Petayut is, you don't know. But Ksilut is that you just love, you have so many appetites and lusts and desires that you fall into them. So a Ksil sometimes can be a great a wise person, a Chacham Gadol, but his lusts and his appetites are so strong that they take him in wrong paths. And that's why it says here in the Pasuk, according to the Malbim, that an Eshet Ksilut is homia, is calling out. But a Petayut uh, it, it doesn't know what she's doing because a Peti doesn't know anything. So they're not the, the greatest danger, but there is a danger of even for the Chachamim that they can be lured in by the Eshet Kisilut, by their desires. And she sits there in the doorway of her house in the heights of the town. Um, and so the Bible says, we're by the heights of the town. He says, all of what they do is it's like hanging in the air because there's no reality. There's no deep meaning to it. There's no, there's no substance to their view of the world, and they can destroy the Bayit Agadol, which is the world which is built on the pillars of wisdom. And notice, the Malbim says, that she doesn't send out Narot, she doesn't send out messengers of her wisdom, because Ksilut, and all the things, all the evil things like Ksilut, they come by themselves to people. It, it, it's inherent in us. We are already uh, burdened, I guess you would say, with those desires and with those inclinations. So she sits there, and uh, and because the mom says she is in control, really, of your body, unless you learn to control it. So that's a whole question that we've seen a few times in Mishnah. It comes up in many areas of Jewish thought of the relationship between the body and the soul. Do we see the body as a, an encumbrance? The Rambam certainly did. And so any bodily connections as being the kinds of things you should be trying to avoid and to resist. Others have had a more, somewhat more positive view of the body. Here the mom though, is at least saying the reason why the Ishit Kisilut doesn't need to call out or doesn't call out is because she's already present within us. And then the question is, how much do we give in to these appetites? What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? And how does that work? And she calls out to the travelers, meaning who haven't already gotten to, have not yet gotten to the city of wisdom. They haven't yet, in the Malbim's reading, they haven't yet improved their character enough. And they're working on their souls and they're trying to improve but she is luring them not to. And so she says, Who is it? And the Bible says, she only calls out to the peti because uh, then the chaser leiv is the people who give into their desires. So those are the people where, where, where they're targeting because apparently the leitz is already stuck with them and the rashad is already stuck with them. And what does she call out to say to them? Stolen waters taste sweeter. And hidden bread, bread that you shouldn't be having, is more pleasant. So this is a puzzle that the Gemara quotes on several occasions in this exact context, that she's not even giving him anything, right? It, uh, wisdom was going to give, lay out a meal for him and say, eat for my meal. This woman, this Ksilut, and this Tayut has nothing new to give. They're just offering you stolen wa- water and hidden bread. It's not her own bread. And yet she's saying it'll be unpleasant and enjoyable to, to drink it and to eat it, because because uh, you get a certain pleasure out of that. Because when you some, get something in a forbidden way, 
uh, and you work for it, so then you think it's great. And the Malbim says because people like, they enjoy that thrill of danger, that thrill of of getting something that doesn't literally belong to them. And Rashi here gives the examples of the Gemara that, that having illicit uh, sexual relations is not the same as having illicit sexual relations. And so too in terms of mitzvot, if you if you do mitzvot in private and in danger, you enjoy the mitzvah more than if everybody says, fine, so go ahead and do the mitzvah. That's a deep insight. I think it's a deep insight into human nature and it's saying that that we need to resist that insight into human nature. That it's part of us, it's natural to us to think and to enjoy and to like the thrill of the illicit and the wrong and we need to not do that. That's the pull and that's the call of petayut and kesilut of uh, of either lack of knowledge or of an inappropriate giving in to our uh, our ordinary human desires. Velo yada last pasuk in the parak velo yada kirifaim sham b'imkeshol kiruweha. And she doesn't know that the shades are the he doesn't know the shades are that her guest on the depths of the shul. Meaning this is the path that leads you to Gehenna. Well, the Bible says it's somehow mavet lanafish. This is poison to your soul, and it takes you to the depths of. The lowest levels, because because by the by the sin, we really destroy our souls and send them to to permanent loss, to a loss even perhaps of our immortality. So that is what is happening. So you have the contrast, you have the ways of wisdom, but to get to the ways of wisdom, the mom laid out some of the challenges. You have to be willing to accept the fact that there are people out there who know better than you to learn from them at least at the beginning. The goal being that you would eventually become an independent thinker who will continue always needing to learn more because wisdom is always very broad. But learning more from others as well as incorporating it into yourself. But that would be the goal. But that takes discipline and it takes a resistance of very many natural bodily urges that would lead you in other ways. And working on that and controlling that and resisting that. And the challenge is that the contrasting version is much easier and much more pleasant in a lot of natural ways. Your instinct will be to enjoy stolen stuff, to enjoy pleasures ill-gotten, and that is some of the challenge that we have to do in order to achieve wisdom and knowledge and the proper fear of God. We have to start with fear of God. We have to start with the willingness to admit that we don't know everything, and then from there we can grow and gain and eat from the meal, from the feast that has been laid out by wisdom. Have a great day.